0: G'day, it's Peter, and welcome to Office Anywhere, a podcast about working and living on your terms, whether that's cutting code on the deck of a Balinese villa, crafting ad copy from a cafe in Portland, Oregon, or building websites from a home office in Melbourne, Australia. To learn more about Office Anywhere, just go to officeanywhere.co. Today, we have the perfect discussion for the 100th episode of the Office Anywhere podcast. Today, we're chatting with Matt Barnett, the Papa bear, as he calls himself, of a company called Bonjoro. I'm going to let Matt explain exactly what Bonjoro is, what it does, and who it's for. But aside from this brilliant bit of software that really massively boosts customer engagement, Bonjoro runs a global remote workforce with team members in Australia, the US, Canada, the UK, Poland, and South Africa. So Matt, thanks for taking the time out of your busy day to chat to us, and welcome to the 100th episode of the Office Anywhere podcast.
1: Hey Peter, awesome to be here. I feel feel honoured to be number 100. (laughs)
0: I feel honored to have you here for number 100 I think given the current crisis that we're all in talking to somebody who has built a successful company with a remote workforce is timely and uh, I'm glad to have you here Um, but before we get into the meat of the conversation I just have to ask you the bonjoro logo with a bear and on your website some brilliant funny videos and images there of all your staff wearing bear costumes so why the bear how did that begin So We
1: decided that characterization was a good way for us to go with the branding back at the beginning. Uh, We're trying to build a very lighthearted brand here. It's almost like we're trying to build a a business-to-consumer brand in the business-to-business space. Um, The Mm. videos we encourage people to record are lighthearted, they are very transparent, they're very much about individuals. And so we figured that if we took the brand to the extreme of that, it would help our customers come partly on that journey. And then it and then it just kind of got out of hand. So like I say, every uh, every new team member designs their own bear suit when they join us. Uh, we send bear suits to customers' kids when they hit some milestones. We sponsor um, a couple of grizzly bears and some koalas as well. Uh, and you know what? We're just going to see how, uh,
0: how long we can go with this because it's pretty fun. Uh, look, I, I think it's brilliant. I've worked with a software company for 22 years, and they're pretty old-fashioned, uh, run by lawyers and accountants. And it's been an uphill battle for years and years to get them to communicate like humans and not like corporate platitudes. And I see that more than ever, it's important for uh, companies big and small to communicate with people like humans. And it makes perfect sense that a company like Bonjoro that is centered on uh, person-to-person engagement via video would take this kind of approach, and I think it's brilliant. I think a lot more companies should do it, and I wish they would, uh, regardless of their size. Um, so let's talk about Bonjoro itself. Um, who is it for, uh, and what's it for? Well,
1: I'll go for the, the what's it for, first of all. Um, if you like, we're a, we're a layer that plugs into your customer data source. So if you use a CRM, like Active Campaign or or Intercom or Salesforce, uh, or maybe a mailing list like like MailChimp, um, or we even plug into things like Patreon and Shopify as well. When your customers hit certain points in their journey, so potentially new leads coming in, customers paying the first time, customers hitting certain milestones, what we found is that at these points, if you send a personalized video message to those customers, thanking them for joining you, um, welcoming them on board, and taking the time to send them to the next step, uh, you'll have much better um, conversion and engagement rates. Now, Bonjuro tells you when to do these by taking information in this customer data source. And so we'll, let's say notify you in the morning and say, hey, look, you had five new leads signed up last night. Um, Jenny, Jack, Jeff, Mike, and, and Tim, uh, why not send each of them a message? And so you record a 30-second message for Tim. You say, hey, Tim, sorry to sign up from, you know, Entrepreneur in the States. Uh, hope life is good over there and that, you know, the crisis is unfolding okay. As you go through our product, if you need help, please let me know, you know, my name's Matt. I'm a human. I'm I'm, I'm here to help. And then that email gets, re- that video gets recorded, delivered, and sent off. And we track all that for you. Now, the customer getting this, this video instead of an automated email as a first piece of communication tends to blow them away. And mm-hmm. so you, it, em- it does. It increases the chance of those users coming back in again converting to paid customers <clears throat> spreading the word and talking about you and leaving reviews for you again different points in the customer journey but the bonjour platform essentially makes all that very easy to do and deliver and track Who is for our customer base is extremely broad from vets and chiropractors to SaaS companies to lawyers accountants financial wealth managers to universities um the best way to think about it is are you looking to improve uh, either your conversion rate for new leads, your activation rate for new customers or, or new course purchases, um, or are you looking to um, thank existing clients or existing donors and get them to leave reviews, testimonials, um, or just feel the love?
0: Yeah, yeah. Look, I've had a, a little bit of experience from the customer end with Bonjoro and my first exposure to it was quite a long time ago. From I got a, a Bonjoro from Pat Flynn uh, from Smart Passive Income for his Power Up podcasting course. And I also got one from, I think it was Matt from ConvertKit when I first signed up for ConvertKit a while ago. Uh, I got another one this morning from Amy when I signed up to be a Bonjoro user myself, and I'm actually going to start using Bonjoro to welcome new subscribers to the Office Anywhere podcast. Um, And it's true. It has an immediate impact. You think, first of all, you think, oh, how cool is this? This is so different to the normal auto-response email that you get that's trying desperately to sound authentic and folksy and friendly. Um, But the trouble is, I guess it's a bit like listening to a radio host. You get a picture in your head of how you think they look and how you think they are based on their voice. But as soon as you see their face, it changes immediately. It's almost, you almost never get it right, who, you know, what kind of person you think they are. So when you get a 20, 30-second video from somebody saying, hey, you know, it's Matt here from Govert Kit. Welcome aboard. Just want to, you know, see how you're going with it. If you're having any questions, you know, I'm here to help you, this sort of stuff. And you think, that's so cool. I actually feel like I'm part of a family now. You know, it really, really is so different to any other kind of initial um Engagement with that company, it, it, in my mind, it beats everything. So I absolutely love it. Um, so I, I imagine that there'd be almost no industry that deals with human beings where this wouldn't be relevant, where this wouldn't be beneficial. Um, now I had a bit of a look through the history of your business, and I loved going through your website and the values that you guys stand for, and um watching all the videos of your staff, especially the one of the guy just sitting there eating a sandwich. <laughs> that was hilarious. Um, but tell me, uh, I know that Bonjoro started initially as an internal project to scratch an itch within your own business, and then it grew into a commercial product available to the masses. So take us back a bit and tell us how this how Bonjoro began.
1: Yeah, so we were running a small agency here in Sydney, in Australia, um, and it just so happened that we dealt with large FMCG clients and agencies who all were all headquartered in London, Paris, and New York, um, AKA when most of our inquiries came in, we were asleep or on the weekend. Now mm. with those large clients, relationships were everything. And as a team, we were small, but we were we were very much the same team we are now. Uh, really, really good with clients, pretty fun, um, pretty knowledgeable about what we did and delivered a good service. Um, and so in person, we could win projects But going through campaigns and emails and everything else, we weren't very good at all. Um, And so we realized if we get, you know, us in front of people, we we, we could win more work. And so what we did very early on is we would collect a list of all our leads every morning. I would take a ferry in Sydney that would go straight past the Opera House. And so as I was going past it, I would pull out my smartphone and record a, a video for that lead and say, hey, John. So we started from Ogilvy. Matt's here. Here's the Opera House. We're based in Australia, obviously. Uh, but look, mm. we've worked with Budweiser and we've worked with Danone and We've worked with these clients that I see you guys have. You know, I am here, but I'm, I will be in London in four weeks' time. I'd love to come in and kind of show you what we do. And we send Clever. that off. And that would be the number one piece of communication they, they had from us. Yeah, the first piece would be me on this boat yeah and they and they thought it was hilarious people would reply and they'd be like this is they're like yeah yeah, of course come in like you have to come in and see us it's ballsy, so we'd end up, it's, it's ballsy but but like it wasn't it wasn't hard because we're like look let's just give it a go yeah. and you know we tripled our response rate tripled our win rate, tripled the business um wow so, and, then, and then long story short one of those clients asked if they could use this video email thing and then we let them on it And then one of their clients asked if they could use it, one of their clients, and it snowballed pretty quickly. Not that we were expecting that. And it overtook the original business
0: in between 12 and 18 months. Um, Wow. Yeah, it kind of went crazy. That's amazing. Brilliant. But, I mean, it's the best way to build a business, isn't it? Create something that people want and then let the demand drive the growth of the business organically until the decision becomes irrefutable. You have to focus on that.
1: Yeah, everyone says never, never do two businesses at once, and uh, <laughs> I I agree. But there, but but as long
0: as you understand that, you can then go and break it, which
1: is what we did. in it, you know, I'm glad we took that that jump.
0: Yeah, no, it's really cool. Um, so tell me, you run a remote team. You've got stuff in six countries around the world. So, what drove that decision?
1: Yeah, so really, what it comes down to is our product team is built in like Apex, kind of this this time zone. Um, however, 95% and growing uh, of our customer base is not in Australia. Mm-hmm. I love living here. As I mentioned earlier, it's not exactly the business epicenter of the world. So mm-hmm. I think 75% of our customers are based in the US, 20% um, Europe and uh, other, and then yeah, 5% left here. So that in mind, a couple of things uh, happen. First of all, making sure that we can deliver and support customers on those time zones. So we make sure that we yeah. have 24-hour support. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think... Being who we are and talking about customer service, and customer success, excellence, we have to have it. So 24-hour support for us is really important to do. And it's contributed a lot to our growth. Uh, however, that said, you know, the other side of it is we just hire the talent that we thought was the best. Uh, mm-hmm. And we don't care where they come from. Most of our roles do not have to be on the time zone, only really support. So things like marketing, product build, yeah, you know, operations Do- doesn't really really matter where someone is to us because we're twenty four hours in terms of customers coming in regardless. So mm-hmm. we just went for the best people we found, and we've met people. But here's the thing, here, yeah, like you know, try not hire someone in your town or locality. You're probably gonna put a job out out, out and see who comes in. However, mm-hmm. when you run a global business, you bump into amazing people in different countries and places all the time, and you'll meet someone, and you'll think this person needs to join us as soon as we yeah. can. And then when mm-hmm. that place opens up, you're like, hey, hey Christy, I know you're based in, you know, Poland, but but your, but your work's amazing. Honestly, we'd love to have you on board. It allows you to hire just the best talent hands down, no matter where they are. Um, which is which is awesome. Like suddenly your hiring pool is is, is, is how much bigger than Australia? That's like, global. <laughs> oh, I know
0: hundreds of times it's bigger. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. I mean, the answer to my my next question was, how has this um, approach contributed to your success? And, you know, the answer is obvious. You've been able to get really high-quality talent and the talent pool is much, you have a much bigger talent pool to pick from. Is there anything else that you think that has uh, um, helped the company to grow that you could attribute to having a remote workforce like this? Or is it simply
1: being able to pick the skills? Nah, so like like I say, Luke, Having people to be able to talk to customers in different countries for us being a global company is very important. Mm-hmm. Um, but some other things that come into this is the uniqueness. So we have a lot of American science come in. Will they often get? We'll often send them videos from Australia, and they're like, "This is cool." We never get anything from Australia. And then when we have mm-hmm. Australian customers sign up, they'll, they'll get stuff from the UK, like you did. And we we play on the global thing, and it like customers love it. Culturally, yeah. as a team, it's really interesting because, I mean. I think people from who are not from your country are more interesting anyway because you got more to of learn. So as, a, as, a, as a culture, it's fascinating. We do we do global offsites. We were supposed to be doing one this week, so we had team members flying into Australia. That obviously is not happening now. Mm, no, but we try to get the team together once a year, a couple of times a year, and we go away camping together. And it's it, like oh, culturally, awesome. it's, it's diverse. It's a lot of fun. Like it's really enjoyable. Um, different minds bringing different ideas from different countries that help the business grow. You know. Cultural aspects to the company are awesome um, in terms of building products and in terms of, you know, marketing ideas, etc. Um, and then, look, operation-wise as well. You know, there's different costs for different people in different countries, different roles, potentially mm. operational savings in certain places. You know, it, it, it comes at a cost that, like, like there's, there's a learning curve. You know, yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about this, but like, yes, it's not, it's not a. It's not the same as running it in the office.
0: No. And it's not a panacea to all ills either, is it? No. No. But, I mean, you hit on one important point there, which I think is often forgotten, is that um, notwithstanding hiring staff who live in a country where the wages are traditionally lower, ignoring that aspect, simply having a remote workforce that operates from home. I mean, I operate from home. I've, I've worked from home for 22 years now, and i serve companies all over the world. Um, the costs are naught effectively and uh you know it's one less desk to provide it's one less car park one less daily massage or however <laughs> you look after your staff so there are huge cost savings to be had um so i guess this leads us to our next question is what sort of challenges have you faced and how have you met them having a distributed workforce
1: yeah i i should say one thing first on cost savings i think it mm-hmm. does pay to invest some of those cost savings back in um, and this, mm-hmm. this probably ties to the challenge as well. I think it's obviously engagement of, of team who are remote is a little bit harder because you can't just turn around, you know, or, or grab a beer with somebody after work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's, um, there's points where breaking bed makes sense. But like I said, like we invest some of that savings into flying team to meet up with each other and break bread. We will invest it in like gyms and, uh, and, and, and travel as well. So I think there's a part here where you do, you know, you still save more for sure. Cause like office space mm-hmm. versus a flight. Is better. Um, yeah, but again, look at that. So, look, back to, to those challenges. I think, yeah, it's there's a level that team members will get to with each other once they've met and shared a drink or shared dinner or yeah, spend a bit of time together. When it comes to things like conflict management, um yeah. I think the more you know someone, the more you trust them. The easier it is to have have the harder conversations. Where if you don't know them that well, you you might not want to have those hard conversations. And business thrives on difficult decisions and and coming out in the right way. So, you know, to that point where like one of the things to do, I say is to get your team to come meet you in person quite early on. If you do hire them remote, pay for that flight, get it to happen because it'll it'll embed them quicker. If you don't do that, then one of the challenges is it takes longer to embed someone, I think truly into the culture, like truly, Mm -hmm. truly. Um, We face a lot of challenges with, I think, global going globally and remote is with time zones so you know urgent things that need to be solved or you know conflict management again that you know where where one team member is, is asleep and one team member is awake and you have to wait eight hours to get an answer like is, yeah. is challenging um mm-hmm. i think you need to learn to compartmentalize and, and push things aside and, and work around those time zones you know on the other hand you will need to get together and talk so um get used to flexible working hours I start every morning at five a m uh, and mm-hmm. then I'll also be doing calls at eight p m but then I balance that by spending time with my daughter in the day, yeah, um so I think changing work out I, mean, I mean this to me isn't it's a benefit yeah like it's great having that,
0: yeah, I saw um, your daughter in the video. it's so cute
1: like hundred percent like um i think i think conf- i think communication's number one thing, yeah, so like communication in a business internally is everything. how do you communicate mm. online? you know one piece of advice i would say is don't put everything in slack um if you need to chat to someone just just call them or, or, or pick up zoom and or slack video and just you know be be happy to have a three minute video conversation i think mm. everyone thinks that as soon as you fire a video we have to hang around for an hour so it's, like, it's, it's not true yeah. you know you, you can turn around you can do video two minutes turn it off get back to work
0: yeah. And the other thing too is uh, some people will think that you have to behave a certain way once a camera is in front of you. But, you know, like one of your staff members proved, you could just sit there and eat your bloody sandwich.
1: <clears throat> yeah. You, you get over it. Look, like, look, like, like you will get over that, the whole video thing pretty quickly because yeah. like your, t- your team of all people don't care.
0: You know, no, that's right. That's right. So I guess, um, another question then is, uh, you, you touched on a couple of tools that you use there. What sort of tools are you using that helps to bridge this? Um gap of time zones essentially um so that people can stay on top of the communications between members team members
1: yeah so i think I think operationally you want to have your your kind of process like nailed here um so slack is great for daily communication um the way the way we use it is quite interestingly so we we are a product company, so we build product we and we we are always releasing new parts of product that take multiple members inputs into um we also release new marketing initiatives that take multiple members like um i guess uh input into so what we do is we do disposable channels so what we'll do is we'll create a channel for a new feature that we're building or we'll create a channel for a new marketing initiative we'll mm-hmm. only invite team members in who are in there and we'll let the discussion happen in that channel and once once we've released that and it's complete we'll delete it and get rid of it so mm-hmm. this is a, a bit of a process here rather than using slack for pure chat. um within teams we then do have project management software, so our product team will use Jira. Um, mm-hmm. So, Atlassian, Atlassian. Uh yep. I think our marketing team uses Notion, which they found really good. Which is another great Notion. little haven't tool. haven't heard of that one. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty flexible. That that works for them. I think like we we've let the teams choose what they want to use to manage their work. Um, and part of this is that different teams, you know, yeah, uh, you know, our, our product team versus marketing, te- they tend to be different personality types. They tend to work in different yes. ways. Martin likes point. to likes to write. The creatives of us like to draw. Some of us like to write. Some of us like to talk. So pick the ones that fit the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then <clears throat> the other thing is video. So Zoom, doing this. We 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 use Bonjour quite uniquely internally, and that's uh, we have a group email address for the entire company, and team members will send random videos at random points when something funny happens. Yeah. Um. So Amy who you've met is uh, our chief delight officer. And she will at least once a week send a pretty comedy video. I think yesterday it was her dancing to David Bowie while working remote. Just, 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 (laughs) just just because, you know, just, why not? Just, just like keep the team connected. You know, I was on a, you know, one of the team, um, overseas breeds chickens. And so he's saying, he sends that video of all his chickens to everyone (laughs) (laughs) because everyone's not awake. Everyone's not awake, everyone's yeah. not on Zoom. You can watch the yeah. video in your leisure, and it's, it's
0: great. It's funny. Yeah, yeah. He should send a video of himself uh, beheading a couple of his chickens like my dad used to do. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, so uh, one thing I picked up from the stuff on your website was that you guys are pretty flexible. You're pretty flexible with how you deal with the human beings that operate and grow your business. Um, but do you have any um, broad rules? four team members and how they work with each other or how they represent the business.
1: Look, in terms of how they represent this business, we don't have rules because we hire people uh, who we know will act in the correct way, to be frankly mm-hmm. honest. So, so yep. I would say that we actually, the, 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 we don't even have to go on that route. We pass them out. Um, we hire along quite a high moral standard as well. We hire people mm-hmm. who have a who have good attitude And we don't need to worry about them. Um, Yep. Makes life a lot easier that way.
0: Yes, I I totally agree. Um, I think that uh, it's a bit like choosing a life partner. Uh, It's very hard to have a long-term, a successful long-term relationship with somebody, whether they're a business partner or they're your husband or wife, if you don't share common ideals and principles and beliefs. You can have different perspectives, obviously. Um, but if you don't have those things, if you don't have the, the foundational bits, it's really, really hard to work around them because the issues that manifest just get worse over time. And then you have to start trying to impose rules or try to exos- exert control over things. And that's 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 never a long-term solution, is it?
1: No. Like, again, like, ma- making them at high is a lot, a, lot, a lot easier. You don't want to go that. You don't have to put, to put boundaries in. At the end of the day, like, the team have complete freedom. They can treat. They can make offers to customers, deal with customers how, however they they think fit within our culture. Um, from the most junior team members to the most senior, like I trust them to make the right decision. You know, and it might it might not always be the decision that I would make, but I trust they've made the right decision regardless. Mm-hmm. Um, that's fine. Again, we've been pretty strong on like hiring good people, so it it's never been an issue. I don't think it will be. Um, in terms of internally, like. Again, not so much rules, but we try to like teams like have it out. If, if if they have a if they have an issue with each other or you know they hit some conflict, like get get on a call and just and just solve it. Don't go through like threads and threads of like slack you know mm. essays, if you like. Um mm. that's more of a learned behaviour because I think people adjust people have to adjust to how you work remote and how you work and communicate online. Um it's not a natural thing to be to be writing, so it's just a learn thing you try and step in where you can and try and help um, the only other rules we have are things like family first so like right now if I anyone needs that. to take it, if anyone needs to take a day or a week off like given everything right now like just take it it's fine mm-hmm. just just ju- just tell us you're doing it so, uh, and the team will pick up and cover for you
0: yeah like,
1: no no no, I, no, I cre- no 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 like questions asked just like do what you have to do
0: yeah no that's brilliant that's brilliant. I, I love it. Uh, that's one of the first things that really stood out, apart from the bear costumes on your website, was the, the values that you espouse and that you, um, that you support. Um, so uh, something else I wanted to talk about. You've covered off most of this stuff that I wanted to talk about. Um, okay, big one and I'm, I'm getting this question quite a bit at the moment, is where do you see remote work heading? Obviously, a whole tonne of people are working remotely now out of necessity, um, and I know that the uh, remote work has grown quite, quite exponentially over the last few years anyway, irrespective of this pandemic that we're now in the middle of. But once that settles down, assuming that a vaccine is, is, um, is created for it, where do you see remote work heading in the future?
1: Yeah, so maybe like there was a study done in, in the UK. And I think maybe it was 2016, 2017. There was a tube strike for a week. Mm-hmm. And so no one could take the tube. Uh, and then what happened is everyone had to adjust their, their way of working to fit around that. Some of that was people would, would just work remote for the week. Some people decided to bike to work instead of taking public transport. Some people took buses. Um, what they found was, and this was, this was, this was only one week. So one mm-hmm. week on a normal year, when they returned, 5% of all commuters stuck to the changes they made in that time, mm-hmm. which in London is like a lot of people. So a lot of people then, so 5% more people were either like biking to work or working remote off, yeah. off the back of this. Now that's one, one week in a normal climate. Take potentially, you know, three months plus in the current climate.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, you would have to see. I think as you know, ten percent more people working remote on a semi-regular basis. I think at mm-hmm. the end of this, I, I think what will happen is, you know, there will be obviously it's not even down to the companies; it's down to individuals. I think. I think. I think you'll see that some individuals will probably work a lot better remote, um, yep. especially those more mm-hmm. introverted. Some people might work worse and have to adjust and learn. But if, if, if it is long enough if it's, if it's three months you actually work you you learn to be your best and everyone could benefit from you know a day a week remote once you've learned how to do it you know when when you first start you you, you do procrastinate more it does take, it's a learning curve yeah to get yourself to disciplined. Yep. three months is long enough yeah so so I think what, what what you'll see is like you know it might go as high as twenty percent it might be that every company is then like okay every single person could work at, from, from home at least one day a week. You know, mm-hmm. it might be the, the train percent of the workforce go, we don't want to come back to the office. And they go, that's fine. The yeah. savings, there's operational savings there. Um, the impact will be large. And the trend has been going this way anyway. The tools have been building in this direction. So we're not coming into this naked, as so to speak. You know, we're coming in, into yeah. prepared. We have Zoom. We have Slack. We have these things to go. We have product management tools. Um, we have good internet connection. We have, you know brands are more transparent and i think people care less maybe that's the, that's the biggest i think secondary cause is that brands will probably start to drop those walls where you know maybe it doesn't matter if someone from pwc wears a shirt and tie anymore maybe it's fine <laughs> if they wear a t-shirt and no one cares because they you know and maybe they they can have a call with their kids running around their feet and everyone's like yeah that's, that's fine i get the same problem yeah you know, yeah so so cultures will change because of this. Yeah, people will drop. You know, it's like I remember being seventeen in the UK and you had to you had to wear like a, sh- a shirt. You know, like uh, uh, my, my brother was saying, you had to you used to have to wear a tie to get into a club, you know, to uh-huh. a night club. Yeah. Now, like no one would do that. So like that's dropped. And the same businesses, the levels of what we expect are dropping down. Where now wearing a T-shirt, having a beard, you know, doing like wearing whatever you're comfortable in is absolutely fine. You know, and yeah. it's just going to filter up to corporates.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. It's funny now when I see somebody who's really well dressed in a uh, in a nice snappy suit, I actually think that they are probably somewhere at middle management level, maybe earning eighty grand a year. And then I see a guy in a t shirt with a beard um, and nice clean white runners. I think that guy is probably an IT entrepreneur. He's probably worth three million. <laughs> or or three billion <laughs> you know what i mean it, it's just a it, whole perspective's changed
1: it hasn't translated here quite as much but if you go to like the valley like yeah the worst dressed people are the most successful people so it's obviously been a cultural thing there but that's still even in america that's a little epicenter um mm-hmm. it's happening this will just accelerate us forward who knows like
0: five years you know yeah I reckon it will. I reckon it will. And I think the biggest challenge for a lot of people is going to be that once they've had a taste of remote work and the extra time that they get from not commuting and the uh, impact that it has on their relationships, being able to see their kids more you know, in the morning or in the afternoon, I drop my son to school every day and I pick him up every day. um, And that's an intentional decision that I made a long time ago. But I think when a lot of people get a taste of that, it's going to be really hard for them to go back. They're going to say, do I really want that promotion that i've been striving for this time or do i want this do i want to actually start work at six in the morning because i feel like it and finish at three because i want to pick my kid up from school you know do i want to sit down and have breakfast with my family or do i want to sacrifice all that again just so i can wear a suit and tie and you know get another promotion
1: i think i think it works both sides of the fence i think you know let 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 let's go to corporates yeah who are probably the strictest around this yeah now mm-hmm. If I was in finance and culprits, I'd look at this and be like, do I want to pay, you know, full um, office fees for an entirely in-office company when I'm getting the same productivity with 20% not coming in? I'll tell that, fine. please. Or, or they might go, hey, people are now working on their commute. So rather than doing, you know, 10 hours in the office and two hours of commuting, they're doing 11 hours of work and zero hours. So, 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 the, so the, the employee is doing less work. You know, in their mind, because they're computing less, but actually, for the company, they're actually doing more work. So, yeah, you know, ha- like, isn't that a good thing? Yeah, there, there's so many benefits. You know, climate, climate stuff. Yeah, I mean, co- companies want to want to give back and do well. There's a piece here that says, you know, the less public transport we do, the better it is for the environment as well. So there's, you know, there's oh yeah, yeah, you know, there's philanthropic uh, needs to meet as well. So, so I, I don't know if it's just that one side. I don't know if it'll be. Don't want that promotion. It might be. I want that promotion and I want to work at home more and I'll still, I'll actually be more productive and give more work to the company this way. And the company Mm -hmm. realizes that and is is like, yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I think there'll be a transitional phase for a lot of companies that are stuck in old ways of thinking where uh, I know that uh, more than 30% of people would give up a promotion or a pay rise for the option to work from home instead. And I think this period that we're going through now with uh, the coronavirus will probably – eliminate that transition or cut that transition period right down where people do realise, like you said, hang on a minute, I'm actually more productive. I'm delivering a higher output and better quality work, not going to the office. So not only am I costing the company less, I actually deserve that promotion more than ever because I'm delivering more uh, and with less complexity and with less cost to the company in terms of fixed overhead. So I think you're right. I think people are going to want both. And it's going to be very hard for them to um, just go back to normal because normal won't feel so normal anymore. I think. Um, As I say, maybe.
1: Look, I think the answer will probably be be, be flexible work. So we we work. We have a we have a shared space here. We have a shared space in London. and shared spaces in in the Philippines. So -hmm. team could choose to go in, and those of us are extroverts like me and a couple of guys here we go in a couple of times a week because we need that human contact. And that is, yep. is the best outcome is, is a bit of both. Yeah, it's not
0: 100%. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, humans are complex creatures. Um, going back to the values that I read on your website, I've only got a couple more questions because I'm sure you've got to go and do other stuff. But um, I mentioned before that I read the values on your website and I really liked the stuff that I read there. Um, tell me some of the key principles that you believe in that have made all the difference in the success of Bonjoro as a business, and in yeah, your life so, in general. Hey, look well
1: number one thing is is business is life. <laughs> so let's not let's not differentiate those. I mean, if you if you work, especially for a startup like us, uh, you're gonna be you're gonna be working long hours. If you work for yourself, you're gonna be working long hours. If you work for corporate, you're probably also gonna be working long hours. Mm-hmm. Now, I spend, or at least before working at home, I spent more time with my colleagues than I did with my wife. Um, Mm -hmm. and and you think about that, and you go, Well, if you're not, if that's not a thrill to you, if you're not enjoying it, and if you're not developing as a human every day, then you're in the wrong industry and you should go and find a different job today Mm -hmm. because you're wasting 40 to 60 percent of your life. Mm. I don't think people get that, and they're going to turn around one day when they're 70 and go, Yeah, I've got a pension. But I can't surf anymore
0: because my, my knees are knackered. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I think you're spot on. You know, my dad is 83 and he built his parents' first house when he was 14 years old, built it on his own, two-story house in Germany with a basement and attic. They lived in that house till they died. Uh, he worked his ass off for his whole life and retired in his late 60s. And he keeps telling me, he's enjoying himself now. He lives up in the high country. He lives up in the mountains and he's constantly traveling. Um, I asked him if he wanted to come down this weekend. and he said, no, no, I'm going to go up to the Bogong High Plains, keep away from this stupid virus, you know. Um, but he says to me all the time, son, um, you work too much, you know. Um, and he says it less now because I'm a lot more cognizant of of it these days, and I do balance things out a lot more. I spend time with my son shooting hoops in the middle of the day, and like I said, you know, I pick him up and drop him off to school. But there was a period there where I was doing 18, 24-hour days, and it was just insane thinking that I would build up this huge war chest of wealth and then go and have some fun after. And i realised that uh, you don't need the huge war chest of wealth if you learn how to have some nice, simple fun now and sprinkle it Amongst your work, which, like you said, is your life, uh, they're one and the same. It's all mixed together.
1: I think, I think you know someone's. So I think you, you know someone's cracked it uh, when you look at them and they're eighty, ninety. I mean, an example: David Attenborough, Bill Gates. You know, um, mm. and they're still doing it. And mm. then, and then, and they're obviously not like one Buffett. Like, doesn't work for the money. Like, it's not about no. the money. They do it because they enjoy it, and yet, and yet, what they're doing today is the same thing they were doing, doing when they were 30, 40, 50 Yeah, so when they were scrappy, yeah, yeah. So like, it's not that they've changed their. It's not like, like like they've got stage where they're successful, and they go, "Now I'm going to work on some film on, on something on, on on philanthropy that I love." They're actually still doing the thing they've always done because they've always loved it, and that's also why they're so successful. Because if you love something, you're going to be more successful. And if you do end up doing long days, it's not it's not work. It's it's it's, it's just part of life. Yeah, like like we run. A startup because honestly like nothing's in my mind nothing's harder and you know because it's hard it's enjoyable and you know that you're learning and it's fun and the team's fun and we're all young and we don't really care that much about you know things so it's at first it's all about the Mm. so it's all about the enjoyment of of it and we end up being successful because we enjoy it so you know that to me is is interchangeable If, if, if if you can nail that
0: then you nail life you know I totally agree. I totally agree. Well, Matt, it's been awesome talking to you. And I'm so so sorry I forgot to hit the record button. <laughs> and the first quarter of our conversation, I feel like a real dick. Um, but it has been great chatting to you. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, where can people find out more about you and about Bonjoro? Yeah, it's so two places. Um, first of all, if you would like to have a
1: chat to me, you can hit me up on LinkedIn anytime. If you search for Papa Bear, there's like three of us. Um, if you'd like some <laughs> advice on remote working or, or if you're starting up a new tech company, I'm more than happy to help. I had a lot of help myself. Secondly, if you want to try out Bonjour, sign up. You will get a video from someone on the team welcoming you in person. So you'll get to experience it firsthand. See if that's something that you think will work for you. And then if you want to come on board, then just talk to us and we'll give you a hand in every way that we can. Awesome. Thanks very much, Matt. Much appreciated. It's okay, so no problem, Peter.
0: And that's a wrap. To give Bonjoro a go, just go to bonjoro.com. That's B-O-N-J-O-R-O.com. And uh, see for yourself just how brilliant it is. It is absolutely incredible. And when you start thinking about all the places that you could use this to create that human interaction, instant human interaction, which now, especially given the current circumstances, is going to be so sadly lacking, Bonjoro is a solution that has a million different applications, especially now. Anyway, you'll find the post that goes along with this episode over at officeanywhere.co slash 100. And until we chat again very soon, here's to working and living on your terms. I'll catch you then. See ya.